Apparently not. <laughs> I reckon it is. And uh, Louise is with me. Thank you, Louisa. Uh, what I want to do today, our theme this year is reimagine. And obviously, I've been trying to uh, craft messages that help us to like reemerge from the rubble of the last season. And uh, what I want to do in this next uh, little while while I'm preaching is going to do a, a mini-series, a series within that theme on reimagining foundations. There's going to be a foundations message because I really do believe the greatest power in our faith walk and our journey, it's in the basics. Often I see Christians off chasing the extremes, trying to, you know, trying to find the edges, whereas most of the life's right at the foot of the cross, right at the simple stuff, right at the stuff that's really plain to see, not necessarily the stuff that's obscure. And so uh, I want to look at foundations because ultimately the strength and longevity of any structure, it always comes back down to foundations. Ask any builder. It's about the foundation and it doesn't matter how good the facade looks. It doesn't matter how good the roof is. If the foundations aren't right, at some point it will it will crack, it will come apart at the seams. And of course, Jesus said this so plainly, didn't he? With those who uh, hear my words and do them, are like building our lives on a sure foundation. So I want to look at foundations and the joy that we find in the basics. And you know, as I talk to us, and I just know, you know, the bulk of us, because we're even just here <laughs> or listening, the great bulk of us, I can be confident, find Jesus compelling. Don't you find Jesus compelling as a character? Um, and I love it in church life, you know, because there's lots of things we can talk about, we need to talk about. But whenever we just come right back to the face of Jesus Christ, to me that is as compelling as our faith ever gets. And there's, there's something about Jesus, I mean, you can love him, or you can even hate him. But the one thing you can't do is ignore him. He is unignorable as a character when you actually behold him. And, uh, and I know that's exactly was my experience in coming to faith. Uh, for me, I remember I deliberated for like 10 months from when I really heard the gospel in a form I could understand. It was like 10 months of pushing back on Christian friends who were trying to, to share Christ with me. It was 10 months of counting the cost, like Jesus said you should. I didn't know that scripture, of course, at the time, but later on I would read that I was doing the right thing. I was counting the cost. I was realizing if I want to follow Christ, it probably means this is going to change. It probably means I'm going to have to stop doing that and I'm going to have to start doing this. <laughs> and so, you know, for me, the challenge is the challenge of forgiving. There were people I didn't want to forgive. And yet, even though no one had ever preached a sermon on it, inherently in my heart, I knew that if I chose to follow Jesus, I was going to be confronted with that kind of stuff. I was going to be confronted with generosity. My selfishness was going to go on the cross. <laughs> it was going to be crucified. My pride, and I think that was the thing for 10 months, that was the biggest thing for me. It was like the pride of no longer thinking I was autonomous. 
which is really funny because we think we're autonomous when we're living our own lives. We don't realize we're actually slaves to sin. You know, you, you either worship and serve someone or you're someone else's slave. It's that simple. And it wasn't until I came to Christ that the, I guess the scales fell from the eyes, the shutters come off. And so many of us have had that exact experience. You ask any, anyone who's come off substance abuse, and if they've come off substance abuse into a life of, of following Christ, they realize they weren't doing drugs. Drugs were doing them. <laughs> and maybe you don't have that habit and you can see it quite plainly in someone around you. But we often think we're in control and we're not. But it's amazing how pride won't let us surrender. And so what I want to look at today is reimagining humility. When we talk about foundations, let's reimagine humility. That is such a foundational aspect of our Christianity is humility. And it's funny because pride, which is the opposite of it, pride, and I'm not talking about a good kind of pride that makes you wash your face in the morning. I'm talking about the kind of pride where we believe we're right and we're not going to let it go kind of pride. The kind of pride that makes us think we're better than someone else. And so, uh, and that's why pride is the garden. You know, the fall of the garden, if you've ever wondered what was the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, and there's a lot of metaphor there in the garden and the Adam and Eve, that whole story. But ultimately, if you look at it, if you stand back and have a look at it, what, what man, the heart of man wanted was for, for the knowledge of good and evil, the ability to choose to reside in him, not in God. <laughs> That's why we say the original sin is pride. And so uh, pride often, though, like a virus on a computer, can sort of run along in the background. If any of you have ever had a virus, Michael knows all about them. He's always fixing stuff like that. But it can run along in the background. It only takes certain environments or circumstances will reveal it and show it in you. And, uh, and so we're going to look at Jesus today, and I, 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 he's just going to, I think, stare us right in the face. This is one of those, ah, oh, man, I'd love to follow Jesus when Jesus withstood the religious leaders, stood up, love it. Even overturning the tables in the temple, I think, yeah, I could get with that. What about when Jesus got, you know, the teachers of the law that were trying to trap him with the coin, and he says, render unto Caesar what Caesar's and render it. And it's like, oh, yeah, Jesus. Oh, he got him. He got him. <laughs> this isn't one of those easy to follow Jesus stories, okay? So let's go to Scripture. Let's go to the Gospel of John, beginning in verse 2 of John 13. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. Okay, so just stop for a moment. We've got to stop there. Okay. Jesus is not confused about who he is. He is not confused about his position. He is not confused about what rests on his life. He knows he's come from God and he'll be returning to God. In, an, in other words, that's a fairly exalted position, if that makes sense. 
And so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. I don't know whether you've ever done this, but I have. When I read portions of Scripture like that, I try and imagine how I'd respond. You know, it, it can be so easy to look at how, how the disciples responded. And, and As a preacher, I've preached off that, and I've just ignored how I would respond. I've just preached on what, how other people would respond. But I wonder how you and I, sitting there, having seen the, Jesus work miracles, having, having starting to understand that this guy is something special, even if you're only thinking he is the coming king, Messiah, in a physical, political sense, which is pretty well where these guys were at at the moment. Even there, I wonder how you would respond and react. And of course, there were a few reactions, particularly from Peter. But just looking at Jesus, I love it. His security blew away any reservations he had about the social norms of what was appropriate and whether he was worthy or not or whether he was ex the exalted one, someone who should be treated differently. His own security blew all that away. And we have this picture of humility that's really, if, you, if we're honest, it is so contrary to our world's understanding of the need to be recognised, the need, you know, to be weighted on. This is so contrary. Verse 6 to 7, he come to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realise now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. So here's Peter, is just, he's going to struggle with this right from the start. I wonder whether it could have meant, and I won't stop long on this thought, but I just want to take thoughts as we go through I wonder whether when Jesus said, you'll understand later, whether Jesus might have been referring to later on when Peter would actually lead the fledgling church in its initial phases. So you don't understand that the leader is washing your feet. You don't understand servant leadership, how to wait on others yet, but you will. There will come a day when you'll know exactly why I've done what I've done for you, because it's what I'll require you to do for others. Then verses 8 through 11, Peter says, no, you shall never wash my feet. Gotta love Peter, don't you? <laughs> it's Jesus saying, I'm going to wash your feet. No! Uh, Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands, my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who've had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said, not everyone was clean. And here, obviously, Peter's thinking about, he's thinking about external cleanliness. He's still caught up probably with, with elements of Jewish law or custom. He's just thinking the external, and Jesus is trying to give him a lesson in humility. Verses 12 through 15. When he had finished washing their feet, he put his clothes and put on his clothes and returned to his place. And then he says, Do you understand what I've done for you? 
You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you, should, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And once again, I, I just the note, notice is Jesus is not denying his value. He's not de- denying the fact that he's worthy of better than this. Worthy to be served himself. He's not denying that. As a matter of fact, what he's doing is actually revealing what he does value. So he doesn't devalue himself. It's like, yeah, I am teacher. I am Lord. You better believe it, baby. And that's why I've done it. Remember, this, this passage is very close to the passage where Jesus teaches on, you know, Gentiles, those outside of the covenant relationship with God, they lord it over one another. But it's not to be that way with you. Whoever wants to be great should become the servant of all. So this whole thing is a lesson in humility. Do you understand humility is what Jesus was saying. Do you understand That you should actually wash one another's feet because it's a practical outworking of the humility it requires to follow me. Verse 16 and 17. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Obedience is always more powerful than knowledge. You know, that's one of the reasons why when we talk about journaling, it's like this, this is not about finding out more about the Bible. When we journal with our Bibles and do our devotions that way, the bottom line is, how does this change me today? How will I respond to what I now know? And this is what Jesus is saying. Now that you know these things, you're not blessed because you know them. You'll be blessed if you do them. Come on, am I speaking to anyone here today? You're so quiet. Now, I know I've taken time to read a lot of Scripture, but it's okay if we read the Bible in church, Jordan, isn't it? Jordan says it's okay, so we're clear to go. You know what? This whole thing that we call church, the body of Christ... God's people gathered, the whole thing runs on servant leadership. I'll never forget, and I tell this story probably every time I talk about serving, because it was where it just became so real to me, personally. When I was first a Christian and going along to church for a little while, I was so grateful to what Jesus had done in my life, and that sense of forgiveness, and new life, and future, and everything that God was doing by His Spirit in my heart. And, and I'll never forget one, one day, and it was only a few months in, and um, the pastor's wife at the time, it was a small church, maybe, you know, maybe 100 people. And, um, and at that point, the pastor's wife said to me, would you, would you wash the communion cups because someone didn't turn up who always does it? And they were glass back then. We used to have glass communion cups, and yeah, Val remembers those, and, and you had to wash them up and you'd use them next week. And, uh, and honestly, I felt so honoured to do it that even when the person came back 
the following week, I was like, elbows out. <laughs> this is, I have found a place where I can actually serve on some level. And this was as a 21-year-old, self-centered, drag-racing, immoral druggie. Just a couple of weeks into following Jesus or a month or two, whatever it was, it was pretty short, there was this revelation of, I want to give back somehow. And if that just means washing communion cups, praise God. And, uh, and I did that job literally until I was asked to play my guitar because they needed a guitarist. It was like, we can find someone else to do the cups. You play guitar. Okay. So I played guitar poorly for 100 people. And you know what? You don't only get things done, but there's joy in functioning. That's what I learned. And the fact is, in a local church like this, there's always seasons, there's always reasons. But you know, if everyone did something, no one would be doing everything. If everyone did something, no one would be doing everything. And there are seasons, you know, like young mums, you've got a little baby bouncing on the knee, you can be pretty restricted for what you can do. Although, when I look at my wife, she actually uh, started our kids' church with a baby on a hip at Crow's Nest and uh, got it up and running and led the person to Christ, who then she discipled to become the kids' pastor. And then she moved on to junior church when we had the next baby and she led one of our neighbours to Christ and discipled her to lead junior church, <laughs> all with a baby on a hip. There are seasons, I understand. There's health seasons. There's challenges. There's crises in business. There's crises in our life and our family that demand our full attention. I fully understand that. But that is not all of life, generally, for most of us. So can I just be that plain and honest? That plain and honest? Because I'm actually really concerned as a local church pastor that emerging from this last season and a lot of routines are broken, etc. I'm actually concerned for our volunteer base because it's shrunk and I don't want to burn anyone out. To tell you the truth, I would rather just turn up with a guitar and sit on the edge of the platform with 20 people who would come to that than burn a volunteer out who turns up week after week after week. So can I encourage us? Think about how you can wash someone else's feet. And of course, it's not just in the church. If we think about it personally, this humility has got to bleed into our everyday life. This bleeds into us letting someone in line in front of us at Woolworths. Instead of doing the little race kind of thing. Because what are we saying when we do that? What we're saying is, my time is more important than your time. And there will always be a time when that's probably true. When you're late and you've got to be somewhere and you've got to get through. But if that's the case, why do we tend to do it most of the time? At that point, it's just pride. I'm more important than you. My time is more important than your time. And yet you look at Jesus, you look at this picture of Christ, teacher and Lord, come from God, returning soon to the throne. And in that moment, wraps himself in a towel and does the most base 
act to serve others. Washing of feet was, was custom. It was written into Jewish law only for the priests. It wasn't for the common man. But people practiced it because they wore candles. They wore sandals. And they generally went barefoot in the house, in mud or dirt floor, packed dirt houses. So they washed their feet often. And generally in Jewish society and custom, it was the host. It was the person who owned the house that washed the feet. And I always see it in, volu in volunteers. Honestly, in volunteerism, it's the ones who wash feet that own the house. Just putting that tongue in cheek, but it's the ones who really wash feet who go, gee, I, I don't just turn up to hear a sermon or some great worship. Thank you for, for, you know, for what you give to me. But it's actually, you know what? I've come to wash someone's feet today. And just let Jesus break down my pride, my sense of self-importance. As I said, please don't feel guilty. There are seasons where that's not possible. If it's every season of our life, you know, if, if we say, I'm too busy, you can only say that for so long before I have to say, well, then either you are too busy. Proverbs says, don't overwork to be rich. There's a proverb. I've shared with a few people in this last season. Don't overwork to be rich. And I've seen some, seen some pull back and get some balance. And I've seen others lose jobs and lose marriages and lose mental health through it. Because they couldn't not overwork to be rich. If you keep saying I'm busy, but you're not really that busy, then I'd say you're disorganized. <laughs> is that okay? Can I be this? Is it okay for me? This is like a daddy talk this morning. But I look at Jesus and it's firmly rooted in looking in the face of Christ and going, I cannot escape how uncomfortable I would be that he would wash my feet, that he would be willing to do that. That strips away every ounce of pride in me. If the Son of God could be so humble as to do that, then I must take the opportunity to imitate that example and destroy this root of pride that dwells in my heart. And that root of pride is that I know better. I know a different way. What is energized by the spirit of the world, the culture of our society, that you, know, you should work hard and strive and climb over anyone you need to get to the top so that you can take it easy. And it is so contrary to the spirit of Christ. So, uh, you know, I love it. I, I know that we're doing it and I look at it. I look at life groups in recent weeks that have helped people who are very ill and sort of unable to do physical stuff at the moment. Seen them, James's life group, saw them move someone stuff from their house for them that they couldn't move, etc. cetera. Uh, I see it all over the place. Uh, there was a couple of other examples I wanted to give um, last week, we had friends in church that I'm pretty sure, for one of them, it was the first time they'd ever been in church, okay? And they're here with family, extended family, etc. And at the end of the meeting, um, they were like, just like, how did you guys get, talking to us, how did you guys get into this? Like, this is amazing. This 
is amazing. This experience of coming in, everyone seems happy. <laughs> Every, you know, so now, now these are people that Jesus loves dearly and wants to reveal himself to, and they're coming amongst God's people. How did you get into this? And we were able to say it's because Jesus touched our heart. What else would we be doing on a Sunday? And maybe holding the door open for others to have the same experience. And then what was really, really beautiful, because we were standing right here after service, I was able to actually point to people who were putting covers back on seats and had vacuum cleaners and were serving it. And I said, and that's why all these people are doing it too. Because we had an experience of Jesus and we just want to hold the door open for someone else. If you know what I mean? And so to me, it's so valuable. And church, we do do it. But I tell you what, we can't take it for granted. We can't take it for granted. If anything, the church is us. It's not welcome to church. It's welcome church. <laughs> it is us. And without us, it doesn't exist. This is a function center. <laughs> it's just a building. And the Bible says one day it's going to burn, baby. Burn, burn, burn. It'll be gone. It'll turn to dust. It'll fade away. It's an earthly treasure that'll be gone. And the only thing that remains is what was deposited in the hearts of people while they were here. And that whole humility spirit of Christ is what invites us to be with people, to love people in the most practical of ways, to lay down a bit of our lives so that others might live. And obviously, that's a personal thing. It might broaden out to being a more of a, a larger society thing, things like serving our city day, or you could be volunteering somewhere in an organisation in, in the community and shining your light for Jesus there. God bless you. Wherever it's happening, it has to happen. Otherwise, we're just picking the bits of Jesus that really gels with us. And it's so easy to go with like a pop culture version, the church pop, pop culture version of Jesus. Come to Jesus, he'll sort everything out, give you a great future and a destiny. And the only way you're going to get there, because <laughs> that's true. Is that true? The only way we're going to get there is the way Jesus did it. By girding ourselves with towels and washing the feet of others. And of course, you know, the initial application here that Jesus makes is the body of Christ. As I've done for you, so you should do for each other. So let me try and wrap this up. Um, got different spheres of influence. Just one more thought, just as Michelle comes. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Paul says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And, you know, Paul's talking to an audience that had come to Christ out of sort of a legalized religious system. He was calling them not to put their faith in in just sort of uh, the, the rituals and the, the pathways 
structured pathways. He's calling them to live free in Christ and know that they're not trying to serve some sort of a system. But he's also saying, you know, that freedom that's been won for you, it isn't so that you could spend it on yourself. It's, you know, we, we live in an incredibly prosperous society. Can I just say, COVID was like a circuit breaker. Made us reevaluate a lot of stuff. In that sense, it was great. As I said, some people I encouraged, hey, you, you just realized how busy you were. You were too busy, and they took notice of it, and they, they've done okay. Others, you know, maybe have reassessed, reprioritized, and Netflix is getting it. And what I would say is, no, hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. we've been given freedom for reason. We have an opportunity to reflect the very nature of Christ in the most simple, practical of ways. Surrendering a little bit of ourself so someone else can live. So, again, please, I'm not trying to put guilt on us. I'm ringing a bell. Let's pay attention to this. Pay attention to the fact that actually Jesus humbled himself. And as his servant, so should we. Here's some questions for us to ask just as we close. Have I created a time margin that allows me to serve others? Wherever that is, again, I'm not even saying in the church now. I'm just saying, is there anywhere that we serve others? You know, for me, I've got a confession to make. Unless it's in some real grubby truck stop or maybe a, a McDonald's that just hasn't been serviced or whatever, I pick up toilet paper off other people's toilet floors. I always wash my hands well, but I hate it when I go into, maybe you go to a restroom at a, a nice restaurant. We go into a restaurant somewhere, you know, a function centre, cafe, whatever, and you know that these people are trying to make this thing really a great experience for everyone and, and I don't know what it is. What is it with toilet paper and water that people can't control? I mean, to me, it seems really controllable, but for others, not. But I struggle not to actually... I do it here in the, 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 the facility all the time. That little corner of paper that just tears off the hand towel. And Why would you throw that on the floor and not in a bin? I don't know. It must be human nature. But I find it hard to walk past in my father's house. I find it hard. But then that spirit <laughs> has translated in, I don't know whether it's a, I don't know whether it's a, you know, yeah, what, whatever it is, what do we call those? You've got, sorry, OCD. <laughs> Maybe it is. But it's like, you know what, I, I know that if I owned the restaurant, I don't want a customer to come in and see that. So would it really hurt me so much? Pick it up get a few more hand towels, dry the taste and throw it in. It's the only time, I don't think I'm OCD on other stuff. Ask Sue when it comes to bed making. I'm probably not OCD on other stuff. But when it comes to that, it's like, you know what? When it comes to just straightening something or putting a chair out of the way of people or whatever, it's just like, it just translates everywhere in the simplest of ways. So have we got a time margin? Are we too busy? Because if you're too busy... You're probably too busy. Do you keep saying I'm too busy? It's just a hint. 
You probably are. You're probably telling yourself the truth. So have we got a time margin where we can serve others? Second thought is, am I contributing my gifts for the sake of others? And can I really, can I include our online community in this somewhere, somehow, where you are, wherever that is, from Utah to, to North Africa, where, wherever you are, have, have, have you got a space where you contribute your time, your talents, your love, your grace, your servanthood to people around you? It's so important to reflect Jesus this way. And lastly... When was the last time I washed someone's feet? Well, I know we don't do that. Though this Easter, you never know. But we can all ask ourselves, when was the last time I actually just went out of my way to serve someone for no thanks, for no, maybe even in obscurity. You know, I've never had a, a cafe owner come in while I've been cleaning their floor. Never had it happen. Be pretty embarrassing probably. <laughs> Or I'd get a new job, maybe. I'd get hired on the spot. But, you know, you do those things just because they need doing. And you want people to have a great experience. And I don't know who's going to walk in the room next. I have no idea. But, but to me, it's still worth it. So we could ask ourselves, when's the last time? I just, man, I just cut my time and I gave it. I, I took my talent and I sewed it in somewhere that's never going to benefit me, but it will benefit others. It's a good thing to do. It's a Jesus thing to do. It, it's one of the things that confronts us about following Christ. This incredible humility. He could have been the most opinionated, the most, I demand people wait on me, hand and foot, human being that's ever walked the face of the earth and he just seemed to be in a hurry to scramble to the bottom not to the top could we stand in this place come on let's just give ourselves to God afresh Father Thank you for all the opportunity around us, within the church and without, our daily lives, our families, our workplaces and spaces, education facilities and groups of people, all the different intersecting, young mums with their kids, their babies, just all the opportunities that come our way. Lord, help us to confront a spirit of pride that would make us feel more important than the next person. Help us to choose to wrap around a, a towel around our, our waist and go to work. And Father, for, for so many in this place that do that in so many different areas, I, I thank you for them. We thank you for them. We bless them in Jesus' name. And for all of us, Father, help us to see the opportunities that are probably right under our nose every day to be like Jesus. In these closing moments, friend, if, if you're here, the Bible says Jesus humbled himself, not, not just to wash feet, but ultimately even to death on a cross.
where he took the pain and the brokenness of our humanity upon himself. He served you to that level. And you might be right here today hearing that for the first time or the first time it's really got meaning in it to you. And if you want to open your heart to Jesus, you can do that right now in these moments. Simply inviting Jesus into your life. Use your own words to invite Jesus to be part of your story and to begin rewriting your story. And if you're doing that, Pastor Sue's going to come let you know how you can follow through. Fabulous. Fabulous. Can we thank Pastor Chris this morning? It's amazing. Hey, maybe your next step this morning, maybe you're new to faith and your next step is to just make that decision to follow Jesus. And if that is you this morning, we'd love to empower that next step by, by getting a copy of Scripture into your hand. And it's called New to Faith. On the way out, you'll see our Connect Hub and the team there will help you with that. So stop by there. We'd love to gift you that this morning. Maybe your next step this morning is to join a life group and, and do life with other people. And if that is your next step, then the Connect Hub is where you need to head on the way out. Maybe you this morning after that message think, I actually would like to find out where I could be a part of serving others in the life of the church. James is amening up here. James runs both kids and youth, so he's really keen. If you want to um, begin serving in the life of the church and serving others, the Connect Hub is where you want to head. And maybe your next step this morning is giving. And if you'd like to find out more about giving and financially sewing into the vision of the church and honoring God with your finances, then the Connect Hub is where you need to head this morning. Uh, all the information about Easter is on our website and, and keep an eye on our socials. Don't forget Saturday, 10 a.m. is the community Easter egg hunt. Grab some invitations and invite some people along to that and don't forget to find the, there's so many things. Don't forget to look up the podcast, dig a little deeper. That will really encourage you this week. And tonight, Pastor James Lush is speaking at our 6 p.m. service. Come along, encourage, uh, encourage James, come along. It is a younger service. Can I just say, I feel 20 years younger when I come at 6 p.m. And we'll still have your home by half past seven. Okay? For us that are a little bit like to go to bed early. Anyway, I'm going to invite the team. We're going to go out praising God this morning. Thanks, guys. Have a great week.
for coming, guys. It's been a lovely morning. I encourage you to go out, get a coffee, meet someone new, and we'll see you next week. explosions why choose a bed of nails between us.